Chapter 30 of Paul, A Herald of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Esther Van Simonides. Paul, A Herald of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter 30 from Jerusalem to Galatia. More than three years have elapsed since the fickle inhabitants of Lystra first worshipped, then stoned the man who sought to turn them from death unto life. Three years of tireless labor, and Antioch first, where the church increased mightily from month to month, until there came into their midst certain men from Judea who declared that the foreign converts must comply with the laws of Moses, that they must become, in effect, Jews. Uncircumcised, unclean, eaters of the forbidden beast, they thundered. Unless you obey the ceremonial laws, ye are accursed. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, answered Paul steadily. No man is justified by the law in the sight of God. If righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And when the discussion waxed hot between them, Paul and Barnabas went up to Jerusalem and there called that memorable council of the apostles and elders, in which it was determined, after much deliberation, that the heavy yoke of Judaism should not be laid upon the neck of the Gentiles, since if they were to be saved at all, it must be through the grace of the Lord Jesus. This was a decision fraught with the most tremendous consequences to all Christendom, a decision assailed again and again by the persistent adherents of Judaism, who even traveled about from place to place in the steps of the apostle, striving to quench the pure light of faith beneath the incubus of the law. False brethren, Paul calls them bitterly, who came in privately to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they may bring us into bondage. Even Peter, who was received by the church at Antioch with all gladness and singleness of heart, yielded to the subtle influences of these men. When Peter came to Antioch, wrote Paul afterward to the converts in Galatia, who had also been thrown into great distress and confusion by visits from these same Judaizers, I withstood him to the face, because he was worthy of blame. For before the coming of certain brethren from James, he was in the habit of eating with the Gentiles. But after they came, he began to draw back and to separate himself from them for fear of these brethren and he was joined in his dissimulation by the rest of the jews in the church so that even barnabas was drawn away with them but when i saw that they were walking in a crooked path and forsaking the truth of the glad tidings i said to peter before them all if thou being born a jew art wont to live according to the customs of the gentiles how is it that thou wouldst compel the gentiles to keep the ordinances of the jews we are jews by birth and not gentiles Yet because we know that a man is not justified by the law, we have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Justified by faith in Christ. How the words must have smitten the proud, impulsive heart of Peter. Surely the vision of that night in the palace of the high priest, and his blasphemous denials of the master, of the look in the eyes of the master as he turned and looked upon peter must have come back to him then and with it the solemn memory of the thrice repeated question simon son of jonas lovest thou me and the thrice repeated admonition feed my sheep 
Afterward, we find him writing to the strangers, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, such words as these, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found with praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having seen not ye love, rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Feed the flock of God which is among you, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. And the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and confirm you. To him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. After those days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. I will go with thee gladly, Barnabas replied, and let us take with us, I pray thee, my kinsman Mark, since we shall have need of him in our labor. I think it not good to take him with us, said Paul decidedly, since he left us in the midst of our work at Pamphylia. And did this opinion he adhered, despite the arguments and entreaties of Barnabas. Go thy way, he said at length, since we may not agree in this matter, and I also will go mine. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed to Syria, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. As for John Mark, he was both sorry and ashamed, because that he had brought about a separation betwixt the two friends, a separation which proved to be a lasting one since Paul and Barnabas never again labored together. I will prove to him, God helping me, that I am not altogether unprofitable in the master's service, cried the young man, his face glowing with honest shame as he heard the sentence pronounced upon him by the uncompromising apostle. He kept his word. In after years, we find him the energetic, self-denying companion of Peter in his great work, the author of the gospel bearing his name. And Paul himself writes of him to the church at Colossae. If Mark comes to you, receive him. He is one of my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which has been a comfort unto me. And again, in his old age, from the Roman prison to Timothy, bring Mark with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Through Syria and Cilicia, Paul and Silas traveled, diligently confirming the churches. At Lystra, they came once more to the house of Lois and Eunice. The lad Timothy was a lad no longer. He had grown in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, as well as in stature. And as Paul taught the people in the village marketplace, he came upon more than one evidence of the work of the young disciple. At Derbe also, the neighboring town, and in Iconium forty miles away, he found Timothy well reported of by all the brethren. Wilt thou give this thy son to the minister of the Lord? he asked your niece. And the widow with wet eyes made answer, If the Lord hath called my son, who am I that I should withstand him? So Timothy was ordained before the whole church, the elders and Paul himself solemnly laying their hands upon his head. 
From that time, he was to Paul the faithful companion of all his wanderings. Mine own son in the faith, he calls him. My dearly beloved son, whom without ceasing he henceforth remembers in his prayers night and day. Not many days afterward, the three set forth on their journey through the cities, making known to each church the decision of the apostles and elders at Jerusalem concerning the law of Moses. In Galatia, through which they had purposed to pass without tarrying, they were forced to remain for several months because of a grievous sickness which befell Paul, a fresh piercing of his tortured flesh with that thorn of suffering, concerning which he once wrote to the Corinthians. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And to the Galatian church, which he founded in the midst of his sufferings, he wrote, Ye have never wronged me. On the contrary, although it was sickness, as you know, which caused me to preach the glad tidings to you at my first visit, yet ye neither scorned nor loathed the bodily infirmity which was my child. But ye welcomed me as an angel of God, yea, even as Jesus Christ himself. What blessedness was yours then! And I bear you witness that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Because of these words, there be many who think that this infirmity, this thorn, this sharp stake, ever and anon driven deeper into the quivering flesh of the sufferer, was that terrible inflammation and ulceration of the eyes, which is still the scourge of the countries wherein Paul labored. Be this as it may, God's grace was sufficient, and his strength is manifested in the weakness of his servant, while he painted, as it were, visibly and largely the picture of Jesus Christ crucified before the eyes of the heathen Galatians. Many indeed, both of Jews and Greeks, men and women, freedmen and slaves, lifted their weary eyes, and, looking away from themselves and their sins, to Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith, were saved. End of chapter 30